Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host, registered dietitian, and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have on the podcast Ellie Shava Gross or Kelly Kravitz or Kelly Gross or however you want to call her. Um, but either way, she's awesome. Kelly and I went to seminaries together. We went to Tomer Dvora. And um, we are still great friends after it's 11 or 12 years later. And um, honestly, she has um, an incredible story, an incredible life. Um, she's an incredible person. And um, she's always been somebody in my life who's inspired me and who has been through a lot of loss and grief. And she has, you know, come out um, even better. And um, she was willing to share her story with us. She's also somebody who um, has went through some of the intuitive eating journey. She joined my group and um, also here to tell the tale. And um, I'm so happy to have her. This is episode two of the personal series. Um, the first episode was my husband and I, Ami, I'm talking a little bit about intuitive eating and the business and stuff like that. Um, so if you didn't listen to that, you could uh, check that out. That was from last week. And um, I am one of nine, so I am hoping to interview some of my siblings. It's harder than you think to get your siblings to come on the podcast. I'm working hard to get them to come on, and um, there's lots of different siblings, lots of different stories, and I think that that would also be um, a fun experience. So um, look out for that either next week or the following week. I know the summer's getting really busy, but I am still trying really hard to create these podcasts, put them out. I love listening to podcasts, so I am definitely working hard to get the content out there. And please subscribe to the podcast, share it with people who could benefit from it. I, this is how you move up in the ranks. This is how people um, find intuitive eating information. And um, it's really, really important that you subscribe and that you comment and that you like and that you share. Uh, if you could leave a review, that would be amazing. I would really appreciate it. And um, I know like sometimes I hear people saying that on their podcast and I'm like, ugh, whatever. But then I realize like it really does take a minute and it really does help the podcaster. So if you do have a minute, I would really appreciate it. You could subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Follow me on Instagram at gila.glassberg.intuitiverd. Check out my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. And there you could find tons of other podcast episodes, blog posts. Um, and you could also apply for a 20-minute free clarity call to speak with me and see if we are a good fit to work through the principles of intuitive eating and self-care. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Kelly Gross. Hi, Kelly. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. This is so much fun. Kelly is my really good friend from back in the day in seminary, and we're still good friends. Um, but tell the listeners, Kelly, where do you live and what do you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Gross. Some people know me as Ellie Sheva. I am now living in West Hempstead, originally from San Diego, California, and um I have moved around a lot. I came to New York after seminary where I met Gila. And before that, like I said, I was in California and I grew up going to public school and then made my journey to going to the all girls Jewish school there when I was a senior um, and kind of just made my way to being a Baal Shuba and learning a lot and getting to meet Gila and Tomer Devora, which we love. I love Tomer Devora. <laughs> Tomer D. Tomer Devora. 
And um, now I'm here in West Hempstead and I am a nurse. Okay, well, awesome. I just wanted to say, like, sorry to throw you off, but we we have been discussing doing this podcast for a really long time. And like, it, it happens to be you're my really good friend, but you also have a really interesting life. And there's so many different like aspects that we could like pull apart and I'm sure people could glean from also. Um, but let, start, let's just start from um, your Balchuva story. So, um, so you didn't grow up from, you're, you're from San Diego. So how did you become from? So when I was, I think I was a sophomore in high school, there was a Jewish club in my school, in my public school, and they gave out free pizza. So people were like, oh, let's go. We'll bring you, you're the Jewish person. We'll get free pizza. Like I wasn't really interested in going. And I ended up going and meeting this like most amazing couple. A lot of people will know who it is, Jackie Batone and her husband, Ellie Nantan. And um, I ended up becoming like super close to them. Wait one second, can I interrupt you? Yeah. You were the only Jew like in that, in your group of friends? Uh, Maybe like one or two others, but But mostly not Jews. -Jews. Correct. Okay. Got it. Um, so I became close with the Batones and they told me about Camp Nagila, Jeff's camp upstate New York. And it sounded awesome. I sent in my registration. Um, and then I found out it was all girls Jewish camp. I said, heck no, that's weird. I am not going to an all girls <laughs> camp. And then a couple like weeks later, like right before camp would have started, um, a cool sounding girl called me. Um, now I like know who she is and she's from the five towns and she was like telling me all about camp and how much fun it was going to be. And she really like pulled me in and was like, Hey, this could be a really awesome experience. So I ended up going and falling in love with it. And what did you bring um, that was Jewish? Did I bring what article, Jewish? what Jewish article what? did you bring to camp? Cause it was your only Jewish article. My talus. Yeah. My talus. I yes. totally forgot. That's so funny, but that's what, I, but my in-laws all still make fun of me for having my pink talus, which I love. Your and I still talus. have it. Good, good. Um, I'm like, wait, what did I bring? You remember more than me. <laughs> I totally remember that. I totally remember that. That was so funny. <laughs> um, and I just really loved it. And I really asked questions and I really learned a lot and I became close to a lot of the staff members. And I went back home that year still in public school, but like questioning a lot of what was going on. Um, like not just really like Lush and Hara was like the huge, the not speaking about other people negatively about other people was a huge thing for me. And now like, as I'm very in, like into being a f- religious from person, like I know it's also very much in this community, unfortunately. Um, but it was something that really like struck me was that there's this whole concept of not speaking Lush and Hara. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back to camp that next summer. And then for my senior year, I switched to the girls' school, which had 35 girls in the whole school. We just, wait, one second, one second, one second. How did you do that? You, you, you left all your friends and your whole basically like community. Like, how did you have the strength to do that? Um, I honestly don't know. I think all, oh my gosh, I'm, and I'm not like that, that type of person, you know, like I am like a very real like person. Um, it was really hard. And looking back at it, I, don't know if I would give that advice to someone else to do that Mm -hmm. Um, in such a small school where there was a very few people to become friends with. So I'm so thankful I became close to a few families, girls in my class and then their families. Um, I went, just kidding, not my class because my class wasn't, um, I just didn't, I didn't click with a lot of my classmates. Um, They didn't understand where I was coming from. So I actually, became friends with a lot of the younger girls and I just survived. And then I went to Tomer Devora, which was life-changing. And it's really crazy, by the way, that you went from like public school to one year of yeshiva to a mainstream seminary. Don't you think? It was crazy, but I wouldn't, that I wouldn't change. Like I just, I think. You integrated also, right in. You integrated right in. Yeah. There's very few times like my in-laws and Chaim will make fun, Chaim my husband, that like they'll say like, okay, that was like one of your moments. Like I don't have a lot of these like moments that you could like make fun or pick on me like that I'm Valshuva. Um, but like there's certain times like when like it's very obvious. Um, but yeah. No, I no, try. no. It's not obvious. You're, <laughs> you're totally blending. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, 
So yeah. Wait, wait, what your your husband and your in-law say that it's like obvious when? Because you went to seminary? Oh no, very few things are obvious, but like when I do make a comment or there's one story where <laughs> we always say this story, it's really funny. I was on the phone with a friend from seminary and it was before Rosh Hashanah. And Chaim said he was fasting. And so this friend was like, oh, because you fast for the firstborn son. Mm-hmm. So I go out, I'm like, oh, Chaim, you're fasting because of the firstborn son. And he's like, that's Pesach, like not Rosh Hashanah. And I was like so mad because he like, he was able to make fun. Like, oh, you don't know because right. you're about Shuba. Right, right. Like, I don't know, know either. Not so. from a mean thing, not from a, right. like, he's right. like joking, you know him. He's right. very funny. But yeah. like this friend who knows so much more than me, who like, I was like, obviously if she's saying it, then like, it's right. But like, it was totally wrong. But that's just like- So why was he fasting? I don't even remember, to be honest. So this listen, was a really long time ago. This I don't either like, know why he was fasting. <laughs> and you know more than me. And, and I, I grew up totally from, you know that, like whenever we would go to shul, I'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I never paid attention <laughs> in shul. <laughs> you just integrated right in. I did. Yeah. So you became from, right. That's crazy. It, by the way, it's crazy. Even though I knew the story, it's like, that's really not normal. It's like insane. Um, okay, fine. So um, let's fast forward. So you, you got married. Um, you're living in Stemstead. You're a nurse. So could you, first of all, could you just talk us through a little bit why you decided to be a nurse? Sure. And you were like um, treating, really treating people like on the front lines with Corona also. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll get to that. Yeah. So I became a nurse. Original, originally, I wanted to become a nurse. I like caring for people. I thought it would be a good field um, for me to go into. I thought like about social work, teaching. I'm not good at explaining things so well. So that's why I kind of veered from the off of the teaching path. And then I was in Turo and I had a teacher that had a heavy accent that I, it, biology teacher, and I really couldn't understand. I wasn't following. Um, she pretty much pulled me aside and was like, you have to take a double, like take a W or you're going to fail, like withdrawal or f- you're going to end up failing. So I withdrew and I was like, forget about it. I'm not becoming a nurse. This is ridiculous. It's way mm-hmm. too hard. I can't do it. And like, then I went to like the social work path, like doing the psychology um, route. And I liked it, but like really what I wanted to do if I was doing psych- like social work was work in like the low income um, schools and kind of help with those children that are coming from low-income homes mm-hmm. and communities and I felt like that was gonna be too hard to get a job and I was like let me just go for nursing so I started I went to community college to do um um anatomy and physiology and no bio and chem and at that point I was dating Chaim and he like really encouraged me and was like really helpful and whatever I needed help with and kind of just encouraged me to like to do it. Like he gave me the time to study. He never like pressured me, made me feel bad. Like when I had to study or overdoing things with the family. Um, and then I went to Adelphi. I did it through um, Robinson Volka's program, the new seminary, which was amazing to have a group of from girls, like just there to support you and help you and kind of give you, it was like no competition. Everyone just wanted what's best for you. And so nice. That's really nice. Yeah, it is really nice. And I'm really thankful. I got a job really quickly in LIJ and discovered that it wasn't really um, ideal for myself. And unfortunately for like a lot of people, um, I was told it's like a great profession for a from person. And it's a great profession for a from woman who doesn't need a lot of sleep Mm -hmm. and um, has a lot of help and doesn't feel mom guilt. So those are all things that are hard for me were hard for me, especially when I was in the hospital and I was in the hospital for, from August of 2017, I think, to this September. Um, And- Wow, I didn't know that. It's like, is that like four years? Three years. Three years, years. something like that. And um, then it was COVID and it was like hell. It was like really working through hell. Like you can't, I can't really fully explain like what I saw and what we had to do and um, what we put up with and you were you were originally on the cardiac floor right right and then our floor we all like got floated to the units that were like switched over to COVID but then our unit switched over and then we were the last unit at LIJ actually um, to have a full COVID unit 
Wow. So we were there for quite some time. I was actually the first nurse from my unit to be trans, like mm -hmm. to go to another floor. Were you like so, scared? Like, were you like, did, you didn't have a choice, right? Like, you weren't right, You didn't have a choice. I don't think I was scared. It was more like I was that first day. I, I know exactly what pictures my, my managers came to the floor to check on me and I made them take a picture of me in my full getup. And like, I was like laughing, like model posing, like just mm -hmm. as a joke, because that's what we had to do. Cause I was right. sweating. Like, right. Like I was just dripping. It was, it was, it was really very difficult. And um, I was ready to get out and thank God I got a job and still through Northwell, but with oncology outpatient. And I am so, so much happier. Of course, every place has their pros and cons, but I'm much more happy with this setup that we have. My lifestyle at home is much better, much healthier. And you see yourself staying like staying on as a nurse like for the long the long term or like do you do you have other like dreams visions like so honestly I don't envision myself being um a nurse long term forever I would ideally like I'm going to keep up up my degree like my certification and um keep it as long as I need to to have health provide for my family, have health insurance and um, fulfill that need that I have for myself. But I do want to do something. I have like this feeling like so deep inside of me that I have, I need to do something else. I don't know what it is. I'm mm -hmm. really always davening and praying to that. I like should have clarity. Um, I do have this concept that I have spoken about with Chaim and a few other people for like years. Um, and that's like about helping people that once they become from like through NCSY or JEP or any other program, I find that there's so many things that need people need help with after they're already from mm -hmm. um, being at the cost of a Jewish college or just advice for like, hey, you don't need to go to Tarot. You could rent an apartment with four other girls and go to Queens College and that's great. Right. Like, I wish I knew that so that I didn't have right. to pay off a lot right. of money in loans for right. a Jewish college. Right. Um, and there's just a lot of other things that come up that you don't realize, like how expensive shells are to wear under your clothing. Right. And when they get ruined from your friend's basement flooding mm. and they accidentally throw them all away and then you're stuck without any white shells. And right. like people don't realize like that that tights. was a huge tight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So or just sneeze clothes in general. Sneeze clothes in general. So, food, kosher food. Social, also just like social work, like having people set to help like take these people like for therapy. A lot mm -hmm. of people in general, everyone should have like go to therapy, but especially mm -hmm. people that are changing their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Some families might not understand what you're going through. And so you might be disconnected from your family. Um, dating tips. I'm very lucky that I I integrated so easily and I had people to help guide me, but not everyone does. Um, dating coaching, maybe you're a little awkward. Maybe you're this, maybe you're that. Like these all things, I don't know, cost money and are difficult. Maybe that would be like, <clears throat> like a dating coach or like a, like a Balchuva coach. Right. You totally could do that by the way. Like, like as a separate thing, like I really do feel like, I really, I mean, I, I feel like when you have like, you, you need to get him. Is he good? You can get him. Good. I'm hungry. Okay. Come on. It's okay. That's oh. my son. He needed a Hi. snack. Akiva? Yeah. Hey, Akiva. Go get a snack. You have my earphones so he can't hear you. Oh, okay, fine. I didn't know if there was anything, you know, keep it private. <laughs> yeah, got it. Um, I feel like when I feel like so many people say that, like we've spoken about this privately also, but like, like, like not to make this about me, but like with my, with my business also, it was like, I worked so hard to get my degree and it's like, you start working and you're like, what? Like, what, what do you do? And like, you walk in like your first day and like, you hate it. Or like you wait the six months, you're like, oh shoot, I still hate it. <laughs> like, and like you went, nursing is a hard degree. Like you went, you kind of like changed paths a few times and that's like really frustrating. I feel like that like that like inner calling is like it's like a real thing you know people like just, like you went through that so that means other people I'm sure you know people who have went through the same thing like integrating yeah totally 
Okay, so uh, we were talking about being like a, a coach, so right. or 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 a mentor. So that what I'm saying is that like you could have like that inner knowing or that inner calling or like that gut feeling. I guess we could call it like intuition, you know, like that. Right. That some that you want to do more. That something's missing or that. You know, like my my business coach, like to be gross, she always says like, whenever I'm like anxious or like with my public speaking or like I don't know if I could do it, she's like you don't have a choice. Like the world needs you. Like you have to kind of like reframe it. Like, what about all those people that need your help? I'm like, Oh, right. <laughs> you know, like, like it's yeah, not it's about you. It's about them. Basically. Everyone else. Right. Yeah. Everyone yeah. that you could have the potential of helping. Yeah. She's right. I'm saying, but that's yeah. really hard. And it's also hard. Like you're, I mean, you know, and I always say like, you're my most hardworking friend. Like you've built yourself up and it's mm, unbelievable. And like, I just, I know a lot of what I would have to do is fundraising. And I, you know, I hate talking about money. I hate financial stuff. I don't like dealing with it. Um, and that would like be really hard. Like I would have to ask people for money. That would be part mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. um, You're saying if you were a coach, then you would have to right. ask people. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if I, there's actually a few different people that do help with certain aspects that like I already had in mind, like, okay, I know I could ask this person, this person, this person, get them involved. And, but right now we need the health insurance and um right, right and unfortunately like this is just where my life is right now mm -hmm. and i don't know where we'll be in a year um i hope mashiach comes mm -hmm. I find that would be really nice um but i do hope one day to figure out what would really fulfill me and um go with it be able to like really fully like dive into it I want, like, do you mind if I offer one piece of advice right here? No, of course. I wonder if, like, like I think that that's people's biggest fear is that they think, like, I can't lose my steady income or my health insurance. But, like, if it's, like, if it's, like, a meaningful piece, right? Like, it's, a, it's like, um, what's it called? Um, like, something that, that you want fulfillment, right? Because all of us, like, we really crave fulfillment even more than, like, the money or the stability, in my opinion. Like, is it something that you could do, like, once a month as a volunteer thing and then maybe people would start like knowing you as that person and then like even Sophie said I'm quoting Sophie a lot but she said like everything in the world like is like an energy exchange so like when you start doing that enough people end up wanting to pay you or like you know what I mean like in the beginning it might be a volunteer thing and that would still feel really good but like you could end up you know like being that go-to person right I actually never thought about that. And that's a really good idea. And also with social media, there's so much like free advertisement that I could mm -hmm. do to kind right. of start it. Right. I didn't ever think about that. Thank you. Yeah. And also like, so and also, well, also just in terms of social media, I was thinking like, I, I probably mentioned this on my podcast before, but like when, when Corona happened, like I had a goal to like post every day, do a, do a blog post a week and do a podcast a week. And everybody was like, how do you do it? How do you do it? I'm like, actually, like it wasn't hard for me because I had so much I wanted to share. But like, cause like my, cause like my personal life is very much attached to my brand and everything. But like recently, like with things going on, like, you know, in my private life or like, like certain members in the community, like suffering. And like, I'm obviously not going to talk about that on Instagram or whatever. Like it's been so much harder for me to like post. Cause like, that's my personal life, you know? And like, I really right. do try to, but like when, when I was really in it, it was like easy for me because I was so eager to share. And like for you, you would probably be so it would probably be a healthy outlet like aside from the, the nursing job that might not be it, it's paying the bills and it's it's really helping you in a lot of ways but it's not giving you like the fulfillment that you're craving right totally so okay. i'm gonna hold you i'm gonna ask, ask you about that in a, in a few weeks okay Can't wait. <laughs> i'm like kind of a ball but also so i could be like your first customer if you want oh you froze yeah you, I, I, you froze. Also. I said, I'm kind of like a Baltuba also. So I could be like your first volunteer. <laughs> you can teach me how to dive in when I'm in trouble. Um, okay. So I also wanted to ask you, like, we've spoken about this privately also, but like, how do you feel about like intuitive eating, diet culture? Like, how is that? How does that fit into your life? Um, so I'll just, since I would say like middle school, I was always chunky. Um, always had good legs. I was like always pulling off a mini skirt and rocking it, but, um, I'm very broad. Um, my midsection just is 
not the best. <laughs> um, I was very active grow growing up. I was on water polo. Um, if you don't know what water polo is, it's not Marco Polo. Google it. It's really awesome. It's intense. And it's a really great workout that I also would was researching a couple years ago to try to find a pool. We and should do that. Start water polo for yes. a water polo league for girls, for women. Let's do it. Let's it's do it. amazing. And not every girl could, um, I don't know, spin. I know you like to mm -hmm. spin, but like, or dance or this, like mm -hmm. maybe they feel more comfortable in the water. And like, mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable in the water. Um, so I really wanted to, that was something that I wanted to do. You could do that. Uh, I will support you in that. Okay. <laughs> You'll be signed up first. I am signed uh, up already. <laughs> okay, good. Um, it's, I have, I, my body image is some, my self image is something that I'm very much working on. <clears throat> I think it's just, very important. I took your course, learned so much and tried to like focus and remind myself the tips that you gave us. Um, I really relate to a lot of things that you post and especially recently you spoke and kind of in a nice way called out some of the more um, Jewish clothing stores and that the fact that I am also tall, 5'8", um, and a Bit, what, like some in a big body and that I can't walk into a Jewish store and find something that covers my knees or doesn't look like a garbage bag is really difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I find it really unfortunate that the clothing stores um, can't sell towards us even recently. And I'm not going to say the, any names, but a size inclusive um, company is selling dresses, but they're short they're made for short people. Mm -hmm. So now if you're fat or large and tall, it's like, there's nothing for you other than big things, which mm -hmm. I am also working with Miriam, um, Sammy and Sammy NY. New York. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and she's, for Miriam. Really she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. She is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's really helping me find things that flatter my body that work for me. And unfortunately we're giving a lot of, um, like, I'm not getting clothing from, from stores. It's all going to other stores. And I would be the first person, even if it was more on the expensive side, um, to buy from a Jewish store, but unfortunately mm -hmm. I can't. Right. And right. it's really hard. I actually just saw a picture of myself. I'm not even talking single uh, cause I thought I was fat. Like I really had a bad body image. My husband is short and my husband is petite and he comes from a petite family. And I was like, I, like a Godzilla compared to him. That's how I felt. And I look at my pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was stunning. I was, if I could only get back to then, but like I recently saw a picture. Um, I was looking for pictures of different times. I went, what I was in Israel to post when I was about with this um, conflict going on, conflict, um, Hamas terrorizing our country um, to so, show my support for Israel. And one of the years I went was after I had a stillborn um, at 39 weeks, I, we were sent like, go to Israel. You need like spirituality fix, physical fix, like just go. And I'm looking at a picture. We were on a hike um, at En Gedi. And I'm looking at this picture that was taken of me. I'm, so I was four week, five weeks postpartum. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like so skinny. Like, and in my head, I thought like I was this huge person. I had just come back and I was like, that's so sad that mm -hmm. like, I probably at the time even looked at those pictures was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like I let someone take a picture of me. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's sad. I don't, I want my daughter to always grow up. Like I want my sons to grow up knowing what a healthy human being is and not, um, ever having issues themselves because men also have issues, but also to like not judge or compare or have these certain assumptions of what women are. And for my daughter to grow up being so healthy, um, emotionally, physically, psychologically, just really in total. And I don't use the word, I know some people are against this, the word fat, because it's also a descriptive word, but when my kid can only comprehend that it's someone that has like a large body and it's a negative, thing I try not to use it mm -hmm. um but I've been using your tools and you, things you post and also I follow other 
people's posts of like how to explain food to your kids. Like, oh, it's not that it's like healthy. It's crunchy. It tastes so delicious. It does. It makes your eyes see better. Like those mm. type of things, because I think that's, what's really important. I want mm. my kids to be well grounded. Right. Um, well, I really would, if, if you're comfortable to share, I would love to hear your story. Um, I'm so sorry. Like, even when you said it, like, I already know the story, but like, it's so, it's such a heavy like thing to hear, but um, I'm just going to shelf that for one second. What is it? What is it? What does that mean to you when you could like say that there was a time period in your life where like um, you didn't want to take a picture, you didn't feel good about your body. And like, now you're looking at it and you're thinking like, I looked so good. Like, what is that? Like, what perspective does that give you now? Well, it gives me it really just reminds me to be thankful for what I have at the moment and not to feel any, it, it's a reminder, like, don't think negatively about myself. Yes, I weigh probably 50 pounds more than I did then. And I'm okay. Like, I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. I'm a giving person. And it's not about my size and it's not about how I look or how clothes fit on me that makes me that way. And I just try to remind myself, like people didn't like me better then. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. more liked when I was thin. I'm Mm -hmm. still liked. Mm -hmm. I will, would have been disliked then just like I'm disliked now by people. Like I have to remind myself of that because that's what plays a big role. Like, oh, that person's judging me. This person's not gonna Mm -hmm. be my friend. And I know that's so like childlike, but I'm human. Right. And going to shul, I mean, not recently, but still walking down the block seeing people that I haven't seen in a while, I don't, I, when thoughts do come into my head, like, oh my gosh, they're probably judging me. I look, I gained weight. I don't, I don't have my makeup on. I'm wearing a tichel and not as like Mm -hmm. all these things. I'm like, no, like that's not. And if they're judging me for that, then I don't want to be their friend also. Um, But also like, I have so much more to me. And if people want to know that, then they'll take, make the time and to meet me. That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. And that's, I, that's like such a good explanation, but I was, I was just asking you, I didn't mean to challenge you, but I was just asking you. Cause like they talk about that in the intuitive eating book. I'm like, so many clients say that, like, I thought I was so blank. I hated the way I look. And like, now I look at those pictures. I wish I was that size, you know? And like, I can't even relate to that. I was just posting about this. Like I look at my wedding pictures and I'm like, wow, like my face was so much skinnier and I look so much younger and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, great. I had 10, 10 years of my life. My life has changed my body has changed, you know? And like a client just asked me, she's like, you, you have that too. Like, how do you deal with it? I'm like, I have it just like everyone else has it. I'm like, I welcome the feelings. It's really painful. Sometimes I remind myself what my true values are. And like, I have to fortify myself because, because even though I'm doing all those things, like we are surrounded with the thin ideal and like, it's just part of our life and part of our culture. So we have to, we have to fortify ourselves. It's that like, it, like it's it's really everyone it's, it's whether or not you're in diet culture it's like you're on social media you're comparing yourself to other people's you know fancy houses the way their bodies look it's just the way it is so it's like right. it's a constant we have to constantly be fortifying ourselves right yeah and it's hard <laughs> it's hard work but rid- but ultimately it will make us feel better so it's really it's like worth doing the hard work right but also like not being mad at yourself when you succumb to those feelings yes right like you said like it's childish and then you said it's not childish like it's really not like and I always say this like my own therapist whenever I'm like being hard on myself she's like this is where you cultivate self-compassion you know it's like you right you right like we're always like oh I shouldn't feel this way but I do feel this way this is how I feel and it's really hard yeah so I'm also like in dbt um and one night I recently went to bed I think I don't even remember exactly what it was. It might've been the night of Mayron, but there's been a few different nights. Um, and I was thinking like really negative thoughts, like about like, how could Hashem do this? And, and then like, I used to easily spin out like into that negatives about me. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm the worst. Like it would just like spin me out into all these different things. And I kind of, I laid in bed and I just like said, I had my phone in a different room and I kind of just said all these like good things. Like I first said, like it, I remember with the mirror thing, I'm like, this is devastating. This is a horror. And like, then I kind of didn't want to be, I needed to go to sleep. Cause I need to, I do not sleep 
um, I do not function without sleep. I'm not one of those moms. I can't wake up super early. I can't stay up late. Like I just, I need sleep. And, um, which let's normalize that too. Cause yes, that's so <laughs> healthy and normal that you know what you need yeah. and you give it to yourself. Okay. Uh, and I like said, like all these like positive things about myself, like this, these feelings are normal. I'm allowed to be sad. I'm allowed to be this, but like, also like I have like Hashem gave me my three beautiful living children. Um, I am so safe in my house. I have a husband that I know supports me. And like, I kind of went to sleep with all these like positive thoughts. And like, I just kept repeating them because um, like, I needed to like remind myself that there is good in the world and like appreciate the good that I do have around me and not just focus on all the horrors that are going on in the world. Yeah, that's a really good tool. Like that's a tool that I teach to clients all the time. Like you could like with, let's say body image day, like you could say, I'm having a really bad, bad body image day or negative body image day. And I love my job and I love, you know, you, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. It totally be, they could coexist. Right. That's what like um, DBT is like the dialectic of two opposite Reality. Right. Um, so right. since you were talking about like hardships and dealing with it, um, do you, do you want to tell us a little, little bit about, um, what happened to you with your loss? Sure. Um, just like, uh, I disclaimer, cause I'm self-conscious about this is that when, because I could speak about it so openly without showing deep emotion, um, everyone should just know I went through a lot of therapy. I'm still in therapy for it. And it's something that's actually therapeutic for me to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I got pregnant, thank God, two months after I got married and I was very, very sick, um, had hyperemesis gravidarum, um, didn't know what that was at the time. No one really knew like how severe it was. We moved into my in-laws basement. I couldn't cook food. I couldn't smell food. I couldn't move. I was stuck in bed. I could barely text like anything. It was just a terrible, terrible situation for a few months. And then I, finally got to the point that we could move back home and I could function ish. Um, and went through the rest of my pregnancy. Everything was fine with the, um, baby, all the appointments were fine. Checkups were fine. I was starting to go at 37 weeks or you go for your weekly checkups. Mm -hmm. And at my 38 week appointment, I was saying to the doctor, like, I feel less movement, but there's still movement. Like when I take candy or something, like I still feel movement. They did the heartbeat check. Fine. There was a heartbeat. It was good. Fine. Go back to work. Nothing like go do my normal thing for the rest of the week. Come back. Um, two doctors were away. So they had just the, um, the gynecologist doing some helping with the OB side of the practice. And I'm waiting to be um, examined, like just do the heartbeat check and she's having trouble finding the heartbeat and trying to find it, trying to find it. Then finally she found it, but it was like in a weird place. So she's like, you want to know, let go to the monitoring room. So, um, she took me to the monitoring room. The medical assistant came in, like put me up onto the monitors and again, having a really hard time, um, finding the heartbeat. Now at this moment, like this time, I'm, I have a really good, I, I could feel other people's like emotions. I'm pretty good judgment of um, character and what's going on in the situation. And I just know something's wrong. So um, I called Chaim and his sister had just had a baby boy in Israel and the whole family, his younger brother, his older sister and his parents went to Israel. So I said, Chaim, call your mom's obviously I was more emotional than this. Call your mom. Something's not right. Just call your mom. Tell her to like go to the hotel and to Davin. Something's not right. They're not finding it. So at this point I'm panicking and they rush me into a room, a private room. And I, I will run. I, I'm walking into this room and there's brown tall boots sitting in the room that obviously they kicked a patient out of the room in order to, mm. for me to get into the room. Mm. Um, and at that point, I'm already crying. They, a nurse is in with me. So you already know something's going on. Um, they bring in the ultrasound tech and I see her shaking her head. Um, 
they can't tell you anything. So we had to wait for a doctor to come in and um, I'm going to say her name because she's so special. And Dr. Michelle Santoyo is amazing. And now she's actually in um, Manhattan. So if you're there and you need a good doctor, she's amazing. Um, she was actually the one that came in and had to tell me. And obviously I was hysterical. Um, and I called Chaim and I said, he was in Manhattan at the time. That's where he works. Um, crying, like screaming. There's no baby. There's no baby. There's no heartbeat. And his boss, who I'm so thankful for, is a tzaddik and, and threw him into a cab, like with cash and said, just pay for it. Like, don't think, don't worry about it. Chaim came to meet me. In the meantime, they had a nurse stay with me. They put me into one of the doctor's rooms that were away, that were out of town. Um, and we had a discussion of what, once Chaim came, what would be like the next steps. Um, and um, pretty much the baby was not ready to be delivered. She was still very, can we pause? Cause Akiva's yelling for me. Mm -hmm. The doctor came, oh, oh, you're so Chaim came, Dr. Sintoyo came into the room, um, told us the next steps. So the baby was still very high. I was not ready to deliver this baby na naturally. Like I wasn't, I just wasn't ready. Um, Can I just ask you so a question? Said, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. But did they, when, when there's a stillbirth, did they always have to do a vaginal or it like, I just can't imagine like delivering vaginal with that. You so know? that was one of my choices. Mm -hmm. It was a choice. Um, I chose that I did not want to start with a C-section. Number one, because of the physical pain afterwards, uh -huh. it's like a constant reminder, another constant reminder that you don't need and, um, and for future pregnancies, just to not have that like, right. as an added thing. Right. So, Did they explain all that to you? Yes, very, very much. So very detailed, explained how the process would be um, to kind of help the baby come out because when the baby is no longer alive, there's that force that the baby helps come down with isn't there. Mm -hmm. So, so she said, they, they called the hospital. They knew I was going to come soon, but they Dr. Santoyo like said, go home, take a shower, do what you need to do, pack a bag and um, get, come to the hospital. So we did that. I remember I called my mom in the hospital, in the office, I still had called my mom. She's in Boston. My stepfather drove her like right at that, like picked her up from work and brought her straight to New York. Um, and it was a very long process. I got to the hospital Wednesday afternoon. I delivered Friday. It was, it was February 14th. I delivered, um, February 14th, 2014. And I delivered like going into Shabbos. So it was a very long process. I really wasn't ready. There was a lot of things that had to be done. Um, a lot of painful things. They were able to give me a lot of drugs. I was going to say, did they, did you, were you allowed to take drugs during this? Yes. Yes. Um, I had the most amazingly special nurse who happened to also be from, um, she was unbelievable. Shout out to Shani. <laughs> um, Are you she, still in touch with her? Like, do you know? Yeah. Her? Yeah. We actually visited her that year on Purim and we've gone multiple times and she's both, she's been there for Yehuda and Eliana. She wasn't wow. the nurse for me, but she came in to check on me. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So she was amazing. She really helped through that process. I could like speak about that a whole, if people would be interested of like that side of the story, like the details of what happened and going into it. Um, but I ended up delivering on right before Shabbos. I had um, Zahava Farman, who's a brief goddess. Unfortunately, she is amazing in mm -hmm. her field and um, she was in the delivery room with us and kind of spoke to us about what we could do in this type of situation. If we wanted to hold the baby, not hold the baby, this, all these type of things. Um, I did hold the baby. I held her. Um, my mom got to hold her. Chaim got to hold her. Um, everyone left the room so that Chaim and I could have our privacy as well. 
Um, there was nothing wrong. It was a fluke. Um, Hashem didn't want her with us. It took us a long time to be okay with that. You came over post um, and brought me yummy omelet, I remember, <laughs> with vegetables. Um, a lot of people said and did really awesome things. And then people did horrendous, horrible things. Someone sat next to me on the couch and spoke about how fast her deliveries were and how her children, almost all of them had pinata bends. And obviously when someone is saying these things and you're grieving, like pretty much sitting Shiva for a baby, um, that's inappropriate. I'm sure right. people said inappropriate things to you when you had lost your mother and you kind of want to be like, are you kidding me right now? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but also, also like there is a part of me that's like, wow, I was so stupid. Like, I didn't know what it was like to have real loss. Like until like, like, I know, I know like, like when you had your loss, like I tried to do my best, but like, I remember like after my mom died, like people like are a little afraid of people who are grieving, you know, like they kind of like, if I, I remember you sending me that, like yeah I was just thinking about that yeah like you feel like you're like almost like your grief is like allergic or like right, right. people don't want to get too close right so what Gila's saying is that I had sent out something like what to do for someone who's going through um grief remember I'm just I'm not trying to boast about myself but I came over and I folded Nehemiah's right I folded yeah. his clothing and yes I remember because over, yeah. I wasn't giving you an option like right right and yes. I was close enough to you to do right. that like I know not everyone came over on Mother's Day I came over. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I mean, it is one of those weird things. Like if you get it, you get it, which is like, you don't want to be part of that club, but like if you are part of <laughs> that club. Fix and I spoke about that also when we went to Israel um, right after we had met with Rabbi Fix and he unfortunately lost his father when we were in seminary. Mm -hmm. So he's like, it's the worst club like the, mm -hmm. to be in. Mm -hmm. it um, is. But I really, <laughs> I struggled a lot. And then I got pregnant six weeks later. Um, Baruch Hashem, Akiva, Shimon Akiva. He was born very healthy, also so early cute. because he, my pregnancy towards the end with him also had issues. Um, but Baruch Hashem, he is Levitic, awesome, really so smart, thank God. Yes. And um, I'm still working on it. There's still, mm -hmm. I lost so much of myself from mm -hmm. being sick, from having mm -hmm. hyperemesis and then losing the baby and then getting mm -hmm. pregnant again right away. There is so much in that time period of things that I, things and friends and people and relatives that I disconnected from and um, and things I learned about myself. Uh, it's, listen, life is a process and I'm still very much working on it. And um, but let, it still you know, affects me. What what is it that you wish people did say to you or like that you wish people would have done that? Maybe you didn't even know then, but now like reflecting on it. Like, so some you... people didn't even acknowledge it. Right. So th just acknowledging it, um, talking about it. At first, I would never tell someone that it was a baby girl. Like for some reason, it was really like uncomfortable. And I was like, no, it's not like I lost a baby. I lost a daughter. I lost she, she, she is a baby. Like right. actually my sister-in-law, when she came back from Israel, um, she asked, she was the first person to ask this question. She said, who did the baby look like? And I like burst into tears and I gave her a huge hug. And I said, thank you so much for asking that. Right. Like, and it meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. um, because somebody was, because she was curious, like she wanted to like, it was a, it was a baby. This was part, someone that was going to join our family. Right. And, um, a few people came really often, my brother-in-law. So this sister-in-law's husband who was here, he was only like family member. Um, it was very important to me that Chaim should have someone to hug. Mm -hmm. At that point I was going to be Nida. So I couldn't hug him and my mom, whatever. So I really wanted someone there and Adam really showed up and was amazing. And, um, spent a lot of time with us in the hospital. Cause like I said, it took a lot of, it was many, many, it was a few days. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so support, support is like support is number one. Also, like if you're going to bring food, don't bring a bunch of pizza only because like 
I wasn't going to have that excuse to have a baby weight. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. people weren't going to see me pushing the stroller. Right. Um, I mean, there's so much, there's so much yeah. advice yeah. to say. I think just asking also what can like, what can I do? Can mm-hmm. I come over and bring you lunch? Can I just put lunch by your door? Can I, mm-hmm. um, do you want a visitor? I had a friend that came and we hadn't talked in a really long time, but I was home and she was home from work. And she's like, can I stop by, bring you, drop you off dinner and like schmooze. And I was like, yes, please. I wanted that social. My friend Olivia dropped off food and she asked me, she goes, can I give you a hug? And I said, yes, I needed a hug. Mm-hmm. I needed people to ask me how I'm doing. Unfortunately, right. a lot of that fell through the cracks. People mm-hmm. stopped asking me how I'm doing. Um, just show your support text and not, not expect the text back. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah and everyone wants something different so it's kind of a hard tough situation but I think it's just important to like you know talk about it because like I guess I guess if you're not in it you can't really get it and you don't want to say the wrong thing but I guess I don't know I think I think trying and even if somebody could correct you in a nice way it's worth it then like what you said like some people didn't even acknowledge it like they're so scared they don't want to say the wrong thing or they, they, they assume that they shouldn't say anything or I don't know. I also used to assume that. And I'm like, why did I assume that? Like, why would anyone not want me to like acknowledge their life? You know, but like, it is one of those things that like, you might not know until you know. Yeah. I mean, and even we experience, unfortunately, some, a friend of ours that lost a child recently. And, and I make sure when I speak to her, I ask with the child's name, like I'll say, right. Right. I was thinking about so-and-so. Right, right. Um, because this person lived and obviously my daughter did not have a name. She was given a name by Heather Kadisha, but um, but just to bring it up and rem- remembering on February 14th, it's Valentine's Day. It's a sucky day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just trying to remember that date and to be kind of aware of it. Yeah. My, uh, I have to go one minute, but my, you know, my brother also lost the baby and they have like a little wall in their house. Like she, she was three months. So they, she, she did have a name and she did have a presence in their, in their home. But like, yeah, it's like, they talk about her like very openly. It's obviously different, but like when somebody else is talking about their grief, like you want to like give them the space and give them the time and they wouldn't be talking about it if they didn't want to talk about it. So exactly um I really appreciate you coming on I, I feel like we could talk for like really seriously another hour so will you come Probably. back I would love to um yeah, definitely okay and I'm gonna after we get off the phone you'll start your Instagram page and you'll be like the Balshiva coach and I'll send people your way sounds good sounds okay good awesome plan. okay thank okay, you so much for coming you. on thanks so much for having me of course have a good night okay, bye Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.